Lock the Night listeners, I appreciate you guys checking out the content as you guys do every week. Just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up. MMA Lock of the Night is now on Patreon. Just wanted to give you guys the heads up. There's a ton of exclusive content that I'm going to be putting on there. But all the normal free stuff that you guys are used to, that is remaining free on the YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, all of that stuff. Do not worry about that. But if you want to get a little bit more balls deep with your boy, hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash MMALOTN. All your content, exclusive content, is going to be there. I can't wait to unveil it to you guys. It's already out, actually. Go check it out right now. MMALOTN on Patreon. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the MMA Logcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over a fucking gigantic card in UFC 244. Super excited for this fight. Uh, Maybe not as much for the main event, but the rest of the card is fucking bomb. Uh, And then the main event is kind of like a cherry on top, so I'll just take that as it is. But Vicente Luque versus Wonderboy, fucking... uh, I can't even say their names. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam versus Darren Till. Just so many fucking amazing fights on this card, and I can't wait to break them down for you guys. But we're going to start off with the casuals, because my man Big Rob's in the house. What's going on? Yeah. All right. You guys got a little glimpse of Big Rob the last time around <laughs> when I released the first video from the new studio, because I just had to give the man a shout out. Uh, for, the Big Rob teaser. Yeah, the Big Rob teaser. So there you go. The fourth wall has been broken for him, I guess, if you want to call oh, it that. Oh, shit. Uh so it's not going to be really MMA related with our casual segment this time around because yeah, I'm going to something fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm kind of looking hilarious. at this picture. It doesn't like, not look MMA at all. I yeah, think that's a different kind of that uniform. That is absolutely baseball right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw this like earlier today. Uh, okay. So obviously the World Series is going on. I'm not sure if you've heard anything about that. I've been in the dark. Yeah. So obviously World Series is like Super Bowl but, yeah. baseball, right? Yeah, like it's like, that I get. It means the Remember most, right? R- Tr- Toronto? Back to back. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Joe Carter. Plus, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, okay. yeah, this happened at the game last night during, okay. like, one of the more intense situations in the game. Okay. And then just watch this. Okay. Take a little peek. <laughs> the guy, it's going to zoom in. I'm pretty certain. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. They didn't zoom in. It's okay. What's, what's going God on? damn. I thought that was a... What, here you go. What's he going to do? No, just watch this. Okay. Nope. Here we go. This oh, is the one. Oh, oh, this is the one. Okay. And it can't. There we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, it, okay. me and Robert just reacting to the fact that there was these two girls that went to the fucking World Series game with like maybe the second row right behind the batter and they flashed the camera. Yeah. like, Like right before a guy's about to pitch too. That's great. So I'm sure he must have caught that. Must have. I'm not sure. But, like, I didn't watch the game myself, but I just saw this on Twitter earlier. So it was this one girl, uh, this girl, Julia Rose. And she, like, she's all about tits. Like, she has just, like, these natural tits that just, like, look amazing. But, uh, yo, so I looked into her a little bit more. She has a Patreon page. Okay. Where she charges $15 a month. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. It's called a shag mag, some sort of like smushed magazine type of the center. Okay. It's probably just like nude shots of her or some shit. Cool. She has 8,700 people paying $15 a month to get her content. Damn. Ha- Let me do the quick calculation for you. $125,000 a month. Yo, ha- haven't they ever heard of like Pornhub or something? 
but like I don't understand what it, like Shagbag is an all you can eat buffet or everything you want it to be supposed really? to be magazine people see people pay for this shit and other up and coming Instagram models uh, yeah see exclusive and uncensored content of Julia uh -huh. Rose and her friends find out about the birds and the bees up and coming masterminds latest sports hey. stories and what the actual fuck is going on in the world all in one place and yes there will be boobs plenty of boobs you know maybe she's really interesting you know she is blessed with a rack yes a natural rack apparently right so that's and she's fucking selling it and there are fucking 8,757 guys that are willing to get in on this sex sells man so I'm, I'm sure dirt, like on like Instagram and all that type of shit they yeah. just like they do like super teasing pictures of themselves mm -hmm. and then like this shit they actually drop it wow. they dropped them tits that's I and I, and I so it's so that so was dumb. great and the and so the, the did they organize that the uh, the uh, baseball flash no uh, or they they did that themselves so apparently like so it was, her. Her, it was page, her yeah if you look on her Twitter page uh, uh, yeah totally it was actually her. she like uh, a day oh, before dude. the game she hones it let me but, show you this but that's that's, look at this, that's look at this. kind of risky too because like you're profiting off of like imagine imagine like. She got, like, I don't know, like, oh, yeah, in yeah. trouble she, for it. Well, they banned her from coming to any more MLB so that's games. what I thought I mean, it yeah, would yeah. be. There you she go. Got a, she got a letter. Yeah, yeah. She's she like, got a letter. She's not allowed to come in, into yeah. that stuff. But I think she, she, she scouted it, out. it I think know? she scouted it out because I think this screen grab that she has on her Twitter page okay. is of uh, her trying to figure out who had that seat so she could sit there. So she put this out on Twitter, and I think she got in touch with the guy. She go, it says, uh, does anyone know this man? I will pay you to put me in contact with him. I think he she was trying to get this guy seat. Of course, because that's exactly. And then the next day, bang, <laughs> boom. She gets. She's on. Uh, she's all over the news now. She has how many fucking? Oh, it's the, it's so premeditated. <laughs> Two hundred fifty-five thousand. It's so and, deliberate. It's so yeah, obvious sure. too. And it paid off for her. She it probably did. sucked that guy off. Dude. And it's like, just let me sit in that seat for game five That's of this, I'm this to series. figure out. Like, the whole thing just seems so scheming. It's all sexualized. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's fucking crazy to me. God yeah. damn. Bottom line, just making money. Now imagine mm -hmm. if a guy fucking pulled his pants down and, like, whipped out his wang. <sighs> Dude, it'd be me too, and a fucking machete would come down and, like, it'd be gone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like just full rock hard oh. just pulls it out and just fucking waves it around dude I know <laughs> how fucking crazy would that be the backlash would be ridiculous ridiculous that's what I'm saying man <laughs> it, it uh it's different that killed me dude like as as that's I why I'm saying like, she's, she's gotta be careful cause I mean it's cool because but because but we live stick. in a time but, it's her stick like yeah. her header on twitter is tits yeah and then look at her like profile picture. Like it's just super teasing. My tits are falling out of my hands. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Fucking you got dude, Bravo Lady dude, dude, Bravo. You gotta play the cards that you're dealt yep. in life. Bro. And she's taking advantage of it. So, so perfect. Those are her cards. Awesome. She's, I wish she yeah. got she's gotta run with that. Should I? <laughs> I know, bro. You got. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. You might not be playing with a full deck of cards. <laughs> telling much. you, I'm telling you. We're having too much fun. God damn! Don't kill me. <laughs> Fuck. All right. I appreciate you joining me on the Thank casuals you. as always. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I just had. I had to share this with you. That I'm was so great. glad you didn't see that it. That was fun. No, that was fun. I'm so glad you didn't see it. <laughs> just saying. All right. 
Thank, Thank you. Bro. Appreciate it. Um, let's get into this MMA shit that you guys are here for. Let's be honest. I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> let's quickly go over my UFC Singapore bets. Um, slight loss. Uh, even though the lock of the night play hit, my dog game just was not on this time around, unfortunately. Uh, but let's start off with the lock of the night play. Movzar Evloev versus Enrique Barzola. A little bit close fight, but I expect Movzar to always be the one pushing the pace, moving forward, uh, and giving Barzola real, uh, you know, trouble uh, in terms of always being pushed back. So Evloev comes out there, he gets the decision, uh, and he's going to continue to be my money train. If you're going to keep giving me better than minus 250 against most of these guys, I'll probably pull the trigger on a five-unit bet. Just saying, the guy's a beast. He's always worth a straight pick. Uh, again, depends on the competition, but like I'd say 80 to 85% of the time, he's going to win, and I think he's going to be top five in no time. Whether he wants to stick around at featherweight or bantamweight, it's completely up to him. Uh, and then my dog of the night plays, which all shit the bed. Loriana Staropoli versus Muslim Salikov. Salikov was on his game. Staropoli just couldn't get it going. Uh, and Salikov did a good job to to nullify that. You made He made him very wary of the power. He even rocked him in that second round. Uh, but Staropoli comes out on the losing end there. Minus 1.5 units at plus 145. Uh, another heavy dog that I was kind of confident in and kind of knew Sergey Pavlovich's way to win this fight. But uh, I thought Gurin would uh, you know be a little bit more disciplined. He, it's good for him, though, like to, to go in there and get those 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 shots and and showing that he's not scared to close the distance uh but he's got to be wary on what's on the comeback and Sergey Pavlovich has those dynamites in his hand but I don't think that uh Maurice Green should have been above plus 220 this in this fight uh so I was happy to take the underdog shots there at 0.75 units next up was uh Camacho to win inside the distance at one unit at plus 240 I was still uh very much sold on the fact that Benio Dariush's chin was gone uh, and I thought that Camacho was going to land on it, but Darius comes out there and and put on a bit of a slight a striking clinic to make Camacho a little bit hesitant to throw those shots. Um, and uh, you know Darius does what he needs to to get this job, uh, this fight to the ground quickly, gets Camacho's back, and then gets the finish. So I was a little bit mystified actually when I saw somebody release a line saying they had Benio Darius to win by a submission at plus four hundred. I probably would have hedged here to be honest. Uh, just to be on the safe side, not even hedge, but like I would have played both sides and try to guarantee profit. Um, but yeah, plus 400 is ridiculous as Benio Darius is a submission wizard. And we've seen Frank Camacho, you know, have trouble with on the ground sometimes in the past. Uh, but Camacho didn't add minus one unit there. And then lastly, we had Michael Johnson versus Stevie Ray under two and a half rounds. The guys threw, you know, they, they, they really threw it. Uh, but neither his chin really gave up. Uh, or gave up, gave up. That sounds so stupid. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Stevie Ray was close to getting that finish in that third round as well, and I was hoping that he would beat the clock. Eventually, Michael Johnson, you know, toughs it out and eventually sees the 15th minute. Uh, but Stevie Ray still gets the victory. A little bit of a uh, controversial decision. Me and Tony went over it in uh, despiting splits, so make sure you guys check that out uh, to see why I, you know, eventually flipped my... Uh, initial judges scored card of Michael Johnson to Stevie Ray. Uh, so the right guy won, at least in my opinion. So that was uh, UFC Singapore minus 1.23 units. Very unfortunate loss there. Uh, but I ended up ending the night in the green with Bellator 232 that night. I initially had played uh, 2.5 units on Paul Daly versus Sadawad to go under 2.5 rounds at minus 135. That was ridiculous of a line. So I had to jump on that. 
uh, was happy with that. And then I saw that the Patrick Miss and Isaiah, Patrick Mix and Isaiah Chapman under one and a half was at minus one twenty five. I thought that Patrick Mix was going to be able to get this ground to the going to be able to get this fight to the ground ASAP. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. He took a little bit longer than I would have liked him, but it shows at least some discipline in this kid. Uh, and I was happy to get that choke for him. Or, yeah, that, that beautiful choke by him as well. So uh, I had 1.5 units at minus 125. That hits for plus 1.2 units. So we end Bellator 232 with plus 305 units. Uh, plus 3.05 units. So I'm happy to come back with 76% ROI on that fight. Uh, are on that card and end in the green on the day. Super happy about that. That brings us to UFC 244. Super excited for this fight uh, and this card in general. I can't fucking wait. From top to bottom, this is an amazing card. Uh, like, first fight of the night you're going to get is Julio Arce versus Hakeem Dewadu. Are you shitting me? That is ridiculous. Lyman good against Chancellor and Country. Uh, pretty much a number one contender fight in Catlin Chukagin versus Jennifer Maya. They're probably the next challenger for uh, Valentina Shevchenko, depending on who wins that fight. Uh, Arlovsky taking on Big Biggie Boy, uh, Brad Tavar, Sedmish, Shabazian, Shane Burgos versus Makwan Amir Khani. You kidding me? Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker, Kevin Lee against Gregory Gillespie, Derek Lewis against Blago Ivanov, Stephen Thompson versus Vicente Luque, Calvin Gaston versus Darren Till, and then just a little bit of a cherry on top for the BMF belt. Don't really give a fuck about that. Uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Goddamn, I can't wait for this card. So fucking stoked. All right. Um, before I get into the quick picks, yes, there is a little bit of a change for the MMA lockouts because your boy's taking this shit to another level. I need to progress this shit forward, and this is how we're doing it. Your boy set up on a, a Patreon page. So let me just give you guys the quick details on that. Um, I'm still going to be giving all my picks. Uh, on the MMA Lawcast for free. Don't worry about that. There's no paywall behind that or anything like that. For the majority of the prelims, probably all but one fight, I'll be giving quick picks for. And the rest of those, you're going to have to find on the Patreon page. I have uh, specific breakdowns for these fights. I'll go into maybe five to eight-ish minutes, depending on the, the matchup and how much I really can uh, give to you guys about it. Uh, but each fight will get its own video uh, for the prelims, and that's going to be exclusively for Patreon members. I'm also going to be uh, dropping it, an exclusive locked-in episode uh, every UFC pay-per-view. Uh, as you guys will probably have already seen earlier in the day, uh, I dropped locked-in for Kelvin Gaston versus Darren Till, which has its own video free on YouTube for everybody. And then I'm also dropping Wonderboy versus Vicente Luque, but that's strictly for Patreon members. So if you guys want to check that one out, Make sure you guys hit up the Patreon page. I'd say it's a fair contribution to what I'm trying to bring to you guys and uh, continue to improve and bring even more to you guys. Uh, since you guys saw the new studio setup I have at my place. That's just so I can get into the studio, produce some content, get it for you guys ASAP and release it to you. But I want to be able to put in more work to it. So I had to figure out a way to kind of, uh, you know, see what it's worth in a, in a sense. The majority of my content is still free. But I still am putting a couple of things in uh, behind the Patreon paywall <coughs> just to uh, see who the real nerds are out there and actually want to follow my content a little bit more in depth. And then, uh, so I got the Locked In, Locked In Plus, which is going to be the prelim specific fight videos. Every Friday, I'm going to release a video uh, talking about like uh, betting lines and all that type of shit and, and how the, the odds have kind of moved throughout the week and then how my opinion may have changed on any fights. You know, that tends to happen on a long fight week. Uh, 
And then obviously the Lock of the Night merchandise. I'm going to be doing some giveaways to the Patreon members. Yeah, destroy the team. Let's try to get this a little bit more uh, full-time for you boys so I can give you guys even better content. With that said, quick picks. Uh, I'm going to be going through the prelims real quick. Uh, and then I'll go over one of the prelims that I want to select myself just as I would for the rest of the main card and dive into that for you guys ASAP. All right, so Julio Arce versus Hakeem Duwadu, taking Hakeem Duwadu. Lyman Good versus Chanson Country, taking Lyman Good. Jennifer Mayan versus Kaitlyn Chukagin, going with Chukagin. Might shift my opinion on that, but going with Chukagin. Andre Arlovsky versus Jarzino's Rosenstroik. I like Rosenstroik here, but I think that uh, Arlovsky's chin has shown better days now. Uh, or he has looked good in terms of his chin. So I'm going with Arlovsky as, uh, I believe he's an under underdog currently as well. Yep, decent underdog odds on him. Uh, Edwin Sabazio versus uh, Brad Tavares. I got Sabazian. Uh, and then uh, Shane Burgos versus Amakwan Americani. I got Burgos here. And uh, the prelim that I'm deciding to go in a little bit more balls deep on is Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. So I'm very excited for this fight. Um, you know, this has been a long time coming for Corey Anderson in terms of he's been out since UFC 232, which is a little ridiculous. He's been wanting to stick around and, and try to get a title shot. You know, he's riding a three-fight winning streak over Patrick Cummins, Glover Teixeira, and Elir Latifi. Decent wins, considering the state of the light heavyweight division. So, you know, I'll, I'll give that to him. Let's see, see what the odds are currently as well. Minus 147 for Johnny Walker, plus 134, Corey Anderson. Uh, man, Anderson wins inside the distance, plus 350 is a little intriguing. All you guys really need to do is go back and look at Johnny Walker's fight at his contender series. If he's not able to put his opponent out in the first round or so, it's going to be a long fight for him, especially with a guy that pulls, pushes the pace like a Corey Anderson. I think it's going to be tough for Johnny Walker to, you know, snatch victory after the second or after the first round. Uh, but that first round is going to be tough, man. Johnny Walker is a big motherfucker. That guy could probably fight a heavyweight, maybe gain like 10 pounds or something, but he could fight at heavyweight and hold his own. The guy is a beast. Uh, he, he's he's huge, so I think that Corey Anderson is going to have to be very wary in that first round. But if, if he's able to get past that, I think he could absolutely uh, wear out Johnny Walker and probably finish him like midway through the third round uh, with the pace that he pushes, maybe get a TKO. Uh, but fuck, it's it's tough. So like obviously, I think the only, I think one one thing that's kind of guaranteed here is that it's not going to a decision. Uh, I'm interested to see if they're gonna, they're they're probably gonna put the total at over under one and a half. So that's a little, uh, that's a little iffy. Just like just in case it gets out of the first round, then Corey Anderson's gonna take his time to to push the pressure a little bit more and more, and then he's gonna crank it up in that third round, in my opinion. So it would be tough for me to play the under one and a half here. If somehow they release an under two and a half, I think that's a sure bet. Uh, like I I would really like that. Fight doesn't go to decision. Is currently wriggling ring. Uh, <laughs> why can't I get this word out? It's currently dangling at like minus 230-ish. Uh, I don't know where that line's going to go, but again, I would wait for the total to see if it's at 2.5. If it's at 2.5, it's worth a bet in my opinion. Uh, but plus 340 on Anderson inside the distance is not bad. Walker inside the distance is minus 110. You know, if you are 100% confident and wanted back Johnny Walker's power here, by all means, minus 110 is the worst number. Uh, fuck. I'm going to look to bet the under two and a half if I get that opportunity. Um, but if they said I want a half, I'm going to pass on this fight in total. Uh, 
Uh, but as a pick, I'll go with Corey Anderson. I can't believe I'm actually saying it. I'm going to take Corey Anderson to win my third round uh, finish. Uh, you know, that's all if he can get out of that first five minutes. It's it's going to be really tough. Johnny Walker is a hard hitter. But Corey Anderson, you know, his chin has kind of held up, at least in his last three fights. He's gone the full 15 each time. Uh, got knocked out by Manuel and OSP back-to-back in 17 or 2017. So it's been over two years or so that he has been knocked out. He ate some good shots from both Glover and Allier, and he was able to pull that out. I actually remember playing uh, Corey Anderson to win by decision against Glover to share and cashing on that. That was in like the plus 200, plus 300 range, so I thought it was worth a shot. Uh, and here, I think inside the distance is probably the bet, uh, especially uh, depending on how much he's able to push that pace in the second round and really wear it on Johnny Walker. Um, so I'm going to take Corey Anderson by third-round finish. I can't believe those words are actually coming out of my mouth, but I absolutely and wholeheartedly believe that could happen. So thankfully, I've been able to get this guy on. I'm super fucking happy to do it. Uh, it's when I introduced this little segment of, you know, bringing on other cappers and other guys that do similar things to me uh, or as me. Uh, this was the first guy that came to my mind, but a little bit of, ah, uh, there he is. There is that beautiful face. My man, CJ Saftik, Cody Saftik. What the fuck is going on, man? Hey, dude, happy to come on the show. Obviously, you and I go back and forth this whole Twitter thing. So uh, I was super happy to hear that you were getting in the game and doing your own thing. And I'm happy to support. I think you do an awesome job. You run a great thing. You're super interactive with the fans, something I wish I could do more of. But uh, when you asked me to come on, I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it, buddy. I kind of fell flat on my face with the way that I was wanting to introduce you. So let me just kick that off one more time again. I wanted to say you're the producer and editor over at Fight Network, uh, Ace FC Matchmaker. And speaking about Matchmaker, that's kind of how we met because you were doing Substance Gauge Combat. And that's kind of where we kicked off our relationship, man. Yeah, for sure. So you were obviously managing the gym, which has gone through Grant Brothers to Head Rush to Rifle <laughs> MMA, but it, it'll always be Grant. Grant well, Brothers to Grant me. Brothers Grant's MMA. It's our G spot, but yeah, it's always got a special place in my heart. But uh, yeah, a mutual friend of ours put on some fights, and uh, to be honest, with all due respect to Mr. Forrester, and I think he'd agree, <laughs> man, you and I killed it. We did a lot of work on that show, I know. man. So I, I remember those late nights. Him. We watched fucking, uh, I think uh, we saw Toronto Maple Leafs blow a huge lead to Boston Bruins back in the day when they were playing them in the playoffs oh fuck dude it was so much fun I, I can't wait to hopefully do that again one day yeah no for sure for sure i mean uh it's a small circle of people in mma especially in mma in toronto and i'm sure we'll see each other uh different various places oh. but uh, yeah as far as the capping as far as everything going uh, yeah there's there's definitely it's a niche market but it's growing market and it's a super good group of guys but everybody kind of fighting for that foothold in it and uh like i said i think you're doing an awesome job and anything i can do to help you let me know once I get to the point where I can cash on a plus 400 underdog in Tristan Carley, then maybe I'll try to accept that praise a little bit. But I appreciate the kind words of the man. <laughs> yeah, thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right, so let's get into, uh, I wanted to bring you on for a different fight, but we're going to go into this main card fight because I'm uh, a little bit more excited for it. And I think I can use your intel a little bit more and the people will be able to, you know, get uh, a little bit more from it than you, than me. Uh, but Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie, fucking insane fight. Kevin Lee's finally coming back down to 155. Uh, he looks to be the bigger grappler, the stronger guy, but Gregor Gillespie hasn't seen a guy that has really been able to give him much trouble, and, you know, he's undefeated in that nature. 
Yeah, I can't agree more. I think Kevin Lee's kind of, uh, I don't want to say biting off more than he can chew. He's a guy that's fought the best of the best. But Kevin Lee right now, he appears to be a lost man. He's just gone through so many transitions in his respective career. He's still young, only 27 years old. But it almost feels like he's just searching for an answers here. Now, he the best performance of his career, Edson Barbosa, two fights removed. But yep. you just look at that stretch from the Tony Ferguson fight. Here's a man that wins the first round against Tony Ferguson. Here's a man that mounts Tony Ferguson in the first round. But whether you call it staff infection or you call it whatever, he runs out of gas, he loses a title fight, and no worries, this kid's going to be back. Now he gets the Edson Barbosa fight. He pitches outside of that hook kick that caught him late in the fight. He pitches like a perfect outing against Edson Barbosa. But important to note here, he misses weight in that fight, comes in at 157. Mm -hmm. So he had a bad weight cut in the Tony Ferguson fight. He has a bad weight cut in the Edson Barbosa fight. He has a bad weight cut in a subsequent fight. And then decides, I'm going to move up to 170. Loses to Rafael Los Anjos. Now you're coming back down to 155 pounds. He says himself, he says, this is the worst matchup I could have called. Because Kevin Lee is a guy that relies on the fact, like you said, his size and his grappling. Moving up to 170, he should have been able to use the size and the grappling. But again, he ran out of gas against Rafael Dos Anjos. He can start out good. He has good moments. But as the fight wears on, the bad weight cut, call it the fact that he's just maybe too big for the weight class, he kind of runs out of gas. And I feel like that's just going to be really bad against Gregor Gillespie. The gift is just a better wrestler than him. I'm going to say not, maybe not a better jiu-jitsu fighter, but how is Kevin Lee going to impose his will on him. So I think this is a good spot for Gregory to keep things going. And I think Kevin Lee's kind of in his own head at this point. It's it's weird to me. It's kind of like the Calvin Gaston Darren Till fight we're about to get. You know, Darren Till was going up and wait, fighting Calvin Gaston is probably one of the more, like the worst matchup he could possibly take in that top five outside of the champion. Uh, but why is Kevin Lee just coming right back down and going against a guy that, you know, he this is going to be his third loss in a row. You think he would like probably sing Bellator after this? Yeah, it's hard to imagine. I don't think that the UFC would just let Kevin Lee go. I mean, again, he's only 27 years old. He's not that big of a name. Let's game, be real. But if you, if you look at the, the whole course of Kevin Lee's career, right? Kevin Lee comes from a family of like eight children. And if you know his backstory, he had to basically provide for his family at a very young age. Mm -hmm. That's why even though he was a like he was a wrestling standout in high school, he never wrestled collegiately because he couldn't afford to. He just basically went pro MMA. Mm -hmm. So he gets rolling. I mean, Stefan Patry is the original manager. He yep. fought in Montreal a couple times before. Uh, like he was fighting in Canada, managed by a Canadian manager, yep. till he got going, comes to the UFC. And then, then you see the confidence come to him. He's got a brother now, Keith Lee, who fights and he's the same way but Keith Lee similar to Kevin once he gets really confident he gets that swagger going he doesn't fight particularly well it's when his back's up against the wall and he's fighting for something that he fights the best Kevin Lee had something to prove but then he got some money and you know what he leaves yeah. Michigan he drops Stefan Petra as a manager and he moves to Las Vegas and he works a lot with Dewey Cooper and there's no disrespect to Dewey Cooper who's the man especially for American kickboxers but uh but Dewey Cooper's not what Kevin Lee needs. Kevin Lee's a wrestler. He's a grappler. He's a grinder. That's how he fights his best fights. And you can add the wrinkles to his games, but even a great striking Kevin Lee could still get caught by a Leo Santos in a striking shoot because that's fucking striking. Yeah. Who are the best guys? Who are the best fighters right now that are dominating? Well, it's guys like Khabib. And Khabib has added striking to his game. Yep. But he doesn't just try to strike the whole time, right? Unless it's Yala Quintifice trying to get rounds, whatever. Yeah. Tatiana Suarez, you know, like, why is she so dominant? Because she's not fucking around in these striking exchanges. Nope. She just goes with what she's able to do. Uh, Usman and Colby Covington, they can strike. They've yeah. added the striking. Yep. But what do they do best? They get on your ass and they grind you. Kevin Lee got away from that. He got kind of got got fancy. And, and, and again, you see moments. You see the moments yep. are still there. And the moments are generally there when he's grappling. 
with that off the table against Gillespie, uh, he's going to be in trouble. And, and likewise, when we're talking about those great fighters and what they do good, like, well, why is not Gregor not following the same path? He's undefeated, just like Suarez. He's undefeated, just like or not Covington, sorry, but um, but Khabib. Yeah. Uh, Covington once beaten, whatever. You got to learn some lessons here yeah. and there. Well, he's the same cool. way. He's that same mold, right? And that's the winning mold right now. So he'll have a big advantage, I think. But if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Lee is actually up at TriStar now, is he not? I think he made the uh, the jump. Right, right, right. So there's a good point to touch on. Yeah. So oftentimes you'll see with guys when they're not getting the require the like the best results, they'll kind of move around a little bit. And yeah. then, and again, this is no disrespect to the TriStar gym, but TriStar hasn't turned out a great fighter in a long time. Where they got guys that are training there that are good fighters. Yeah. But how many guys has Faraz Shit, Zahari yeah, right. built up and added to their game? Right. You know what? I again, think they're again, still they're riding that uh, GSP wave back. still in a sense. Yeah, yeah, but I'll come, yeah. but I'll come on on point to say this. But if um if George St. Pierre never meets Faraz Zahabi, it doesn't make a fucking world of difference. Oh, so you think this is like a Ronda Edmund type of thing? Never meets George St. Pierre. It, it's a it's a it's a big difference, right? Damn. And then the guys that the best guys that have ever kind of tri star were established fighting elsewhere. Rory come out of BC. He was already a pro fighter. Guys like Nordine Talat. He's from France. He was a pro fighter already. Yeah. Uh, Alex Garcia from the Dominican. He was a pro fighter already. He added some wrinkles to those guys' game, but it was a lot of guys like Joe Duffy that come into town, and Joe yep. Van Calder would come to town, and none of those Did people stay out? here for a long time. Yep. They come here for a little bit, they test it out, they leave. Miles Jury, you know, and you know how many yep. guys have stayed in those TriStar gyms and the, the the dorms, and then eventually just just bailed on to other things. So Kevin Lee meets up with with Faraz. He likes his insight, and Faraz is a great coach. He's one of the best coaches. But I don't know that what what, what could he add to Kevin Lee's game, right? If Kevin Lee announced, I'm going to Jackson, would everybody be like, oh, shit, dude, Greg's going to have a sick game plan for him? Or would it be like, yeah, man, you're, BJ tried going to Jackson's. People have tried going to Jackson's. Like it, it's all on you. And what I mean by when I think Kevin Lee's a lost fighter in his career, he's searching for things. He's searching for what weight class makes the most sense and what, what fights the most sense and what gym makes the most sense. And if he comes out here and he looks like the best version of Kevin Lee, and by the way, he's familiar with TriStar because he had spent time there in his younger days back when he was oh, managed yeah. by Stefan Patry. So there's already a pre-built uh, connection there, and I, I don't know that it's going to change anything. Listen, for, for the sake of Kevin Lee and, and all those things, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we see a very good version of him and he puts one elbow fight. For the sake of my bank account, I hope he just <laughs> rolls. I hope he fucking rolls over and lets Gregor have his way and bounces back the next time. Uh, that's right. that's the perfect segue. So the last kind of fact I want to drop for this fight, it's a three-round fight, which probably is a little bit more in Kevin Lee's favor if he's going to get the W on the judges' scorecards. Which way are you ultimately going? And I know this isn't really a DraftKings show. If you want to give it, is this is Gregor worth a DraftKings selection? Like I'm so illiterate when it comes to that shit, but I just want to touch on that for some of my DraftKings listeners as well. Yeah, if this is five rounds, I'm Gregor all day because I think that he's just going to break him down over time. In a three-round situation, you're going to run into these problems where somebody could beat you in the first two rounds. It could be close in the first two rounds. Eventually, you take how do they score it you never i i hate the saying personally never leave it to the judges because it's like bro these are high level mixed yeah. martial artists <laughs> like you have no it's idea so like their, their whole life is trained around the idea of protecting themselves and like self-defense and yep. like it's hard to take somebody out unless there's a big skill discrepancy but it's hard to take guys out but as such the closer rounds are i mean 
bullshit decisions can and will happen, and you're never going to agree. You, you have an awesome little thing, genius idea, but it's like de- debate basically your take <laughs> on the split decisions. Like, yeah. man, perfect. Cause it's, like, it's the easiest the form of conversation. It's like, idea. it's something that everybody really like gets together on, especially the day after the fight. They're like, yo, who won this fight? I think this person won this fight. It's like, it was a no-brainer for me to do once I got that studio set up. Uh, so I appreciate the shout-out on that and that plug. That's a cheap little plug there for me. But So are you going Gregor Gillespie? You you betting him? Are you playing him DraftKings? Yeah, I'm going to go Gregor Gillespie. I think that the odds are good. Um, I, I would definitely bet the money line on Gregor Gillespie. I think Gregor Gillespie by decision because I just don't think he's put the wrinkles in his game to, to take out Kevin Lee, especially in a three-rounder, five-rounder, you could break him over time. But completely dangerous that Kevin Lee will start strong. He will start out good. But Kevin Lee wants to strike a little bit. He wants to stay at distance. He wants to move around, right? Mm-hmm. If you grind this guy, He's just going to tire him down faster. Going back down to 155, when was the last time he weighed 155? Because he missed it against Barbosa. Last time he weighed was like two years ago. (laughs) That's a good point. He was like 24, 25 years old. Now he's years old. He's a bigger guy. So honestly, yeah, I I think that he'll start out good. Seventh minute of the fight, he'll start to break down, and that'll be all Gregor needs to to secure this victory. So Gregor, by decision, that's the play. Once DraftKings comes out, I'll I'll base it on if the price is right. But if Kevin Lee is a good wrestler... (laughs) continues to just get back up yeah. and Gregor keeps taking him right back down yeah. and it'll be worth my while so First. that's what um, I'm sensing a little bit of animosity towards Kevin Lee here is it is it that he spurned one of our Canadian MMA managers that's getting to you <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Actually, I mean, good on him, right? Pulling one over. Although Patrick was actually at his wedding. No, no, no. I, I, I like Kevin Lean. Like I said, yeah. because he comes from that, he, he, this guy is providing for his family at 18. For sure. Like he's a he's a good dude. I never yeah. let the whole him looking like Jimi Hendrix from Woodstock at a press conference and fighting with Mikey Kessa. I, I never let that shit bother me. But then it became a history of that stuff, right? It became a history of these guys sometimes get in their own head and then they need that humbling experience, right? Yeah. James Gallagher from Bellator, you know, fake Connor. He's another one of these young fighters that he's got skills, man. He's a very skilled individual, but he he believes he's bigger than he is. Kevin Lee at 30 years old filled into a 170 frame yeah. who drops his kickboxing coach and just focuses on his high wrestling and his jiu-jitsu is a monster. But Kevin Lee at 27 years old having weight cutting issues, moving gyms and not really having his stability. Football, I don't know. I just yeah, it's not it's no animosity. It's just I can't get <laughs> I can't get behind a guy who I'm not confident in and I don't see the confidence there. Yeah. And whereas Gregor, here's the biggest thing, I'll cap this off right here. Yep. The guy would rather be fishing than fighting that's a fucking problem Mm -hmm. i don't know if he'll be a world champion because he's (laughs) got to be all the way into this shit but i think he's good enough to be kevin lee and i think he will be kevin lee i think this is the first name that's going to be under his belt and now people are going to accept the fights with him he finally has a little bit of steam behind him if he gets this kevin lee victory uh so hopefully that'll take him a little bit away from fishing and a little bit more into the fighting for us (laughs) And we he can catch a little bit, fish, dude, so we'll see. and hopefully we can continue to catch on him too, because I really like him as a play as well. So I appreciate your input, brother. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this for me. Uh, you're the fucking man. I don't know how else to say it. No, dude. Honestly, I'm just happy to uh, to share my experiences with great minds. And like I said, dude, the more people that are educated coming into this is going to help educate other people. And like I said, there's a good community here. And eventually, I just see a world where it's like everyone's sharing picks you know like i give my stuff away for free i know other people go to it i know other people you got to make money in this for sure but, uh the the more idea for me is i'm selling the entertainment you like to watch the show you like the discussion you like that i don't actually sell it but i'm not trying to sell picks to people this is my guy you gotta you gotta pay this price on it and i feel like you're doing an awesome job because 
you're providing now a product, not just a pick that someone could buy for $20. It's like you're giving them actual shows, actual podcasts, actual entertainment, and that's what makes it worth it. So keep kicking ass, buddy, and uh, i just ha- happy to be on the show today. Follow this man at CJ Safdick on Twitter, and then you can catch his podcast every every Friday week, I believe, Dogger Pass, with his man Paul S. I'm still not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but thank you, Cody. <laughs> you're the fucking sure. man. See you next time. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Cheers. All right. That was my man, CJ Safdick. Man, I was super happy to get him on. He is a fucking mastermind, and he's really been, uh, you know, awesome for me in terms of, like, building confidence and making sure that I'm doing the correct things, and he's always in my Twitter DMs, and we're fucking going back and forth. This guy's awesome, and I'm happy that he finally made his debut uh, on here as well. All right, next up, we got Derek Lewis versus Blagoy Ivanov. Um, a little bit surprising this matchmaking for Derek Lewis, actually. Um, I thought he was more of a guy that wanted to come in excuse me a guy that wanted to come in and really uh you know fight guys with names make some money maybe his contract is super amazing right now so he's kind of just happy with the fight purse uh and uh possibly getting a 50k bonus trying to knock these guys out um but this blago even fight is is interesting because even is kind of easy to hit uh but he's really tough uh, he's going to be able to put it on Derek Lewis. Um, I think that, um, you know, it, it is a tough test, but Derek Lewis at plus money is always a good shot, in my opinion. Uh, he always has that, like, third-round blitz where he's able to just muster up this fifth wind or some shit and then just go bananas and somehow catch these guys because the other guy just... He, it's almost like the fucking uh, Homer Simpson treatment. Like, he just lets his opponent uh, get away with, you know, getting beat on... Uh, and then, you know, turns it on in that last, like, 30 seconds to a minute or even just last round in total and, uh, you know, goes out there and gets the finish. I could see that happening in this even off fight, too. But my only concern is, like, the state that we're getting uh, Derek Lewis. You know, just back in March, he had that loss to Junior Dos Santos where his back gave out on him, you know, had a per- terrible performance. Dos Santos goes out, Dos Santos goes out there and gets the second-round finish. So how can you really trust... Uh, you know, what Derek Lewis's state is. Um, and if he's, you know, just coming in here with, for a paycheck, could absolutely be, you know, what he's doing. He has like that, the that one punch knockout power and that heart that he couldn't possibly do it. But would you feel comfortable putting your guy, put your putting your money on a guy that's, you know, going out, gone out there really, really hurt just to get a paycheck? It's, it's, it's tough. Um, at underdog money, yeah. Derek Lewis, but just be very worried. I wouldn't put super heavy money on that. I am going to take uh, Derek Lewis actually to win by first round TKO. I think he lands early uh, on Blago Ivanov, puts him out, uh, but he's got to be very careful. Like if Blago is able to keep the distance and and is you know working his strikes from the outside, uh, Lewis is going to have a tough time, uh, you know, getting past that first round. And then we don't know how he is uh, physically as well. So. I'm going with uh, Derek Lewis to win by first round finish, but it's a pass for me in general. Next up, we got Wonderboy Thompson versus Vicente Luque. If you guys remember, you guys get a full in-depth breakdown of Stephen Thompson and Vicente Luque on my Patreon page. So make sure you guys check that shit out, patreon.com slash MMALOTN. But I'll give you guys the cliff notes. So with Vicente Luque, you're getting a guy that's coming off a, well, Coming off a pretty extensive winning streak. Six straight wins. His last one being a split decision over Mike Perry, which was a pretty tough fight, gritty fight. 
But you want to talk about a tough and gritty fight that he's had to endure in this six-fight win streak? Brian Barbarena versus Vicente Luque. That was just a fucking retarded fight. I hate to use the R word, but it was just insane. Uh, it ended up going with six seconds left in the whole 15 minutes. And uh, Luque pulls out the finish there. But it was a ridiculous fight. But it, that kind of shows the type of fighter that Vicente Luque is. So I find that he has trouble really planting and, and, and or, or sorry, throwing on the move or, you know, dealing with guys that show a little bit of good foot movement. Uh, he likes to plant and throw. He throws a lot of winging hooks. Uh, his jab is very sharp, though, uh, if he uses it a little bit more. Uh, but I find that he, he has trouble with guys that stay on the move. Uh, we saw glimpses of that in the Leon Edwards fight, the Nico Price fight. Like, he landed some good shots in that first round, uh, and he showed, like, you know, if you... If you throw from a distance, throw with a jab, start with a jab, uh, and even pull Vicente Luque because you know he's probably going to counter on that second shot, uh, you could probably land an even better strike on the comeback. Uh, but you got to be very careful. You know, uh, Vicente Luque has a lot of power in his hands. Uh, he's pretty much well adept at everything in MMA. He has a great choke game. He's always looking for a dark choke or a north south choke that he tried to pull off on Leon Edwards. He he has a lot of tools in his tool set, uh, but I think he's going to have trouble solving the the puzzle that is currently Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson is coming off that uh, Anthony Pettis loss, also that Darren Till loss, which was a very close fight. But he shows, like, when he's able to implement his length, his movement, and his point-based karate style, he's trouble for a lot of these guys. And I think the fact that Vicente Luque is not the best at, you know, landing on guys that stand in front of him, uh, or landing on... He doesn't do the best at landing on guys that are consistently moving. Uh, it's going to be a lot of trouble considering that Stephen Thompson is probably the, the guy with the best footwork in the game and his versatility of able being able to like change from both stances and and just the the way he rides the cage as well gets gets away from most of these shots and able to change uh, direction so quickly as well. I think it's very good for him. I I think Vicente Luque's path to victory here though is like if he if he starts to incorporate takedown uh, even like takedown attempts. Uh, we saw, you know, a couple times where George Masvidal or Jorge Masvidal was successful in landing on Stephen Thompson when he threatened with a takedown, got uh, got Thompson up against the cage, and then unloaded a couple shots. I think Luke could be very successful there if he's able to engage in those takedowns, get Thompson up against the cage, engage in a, a tie clinch of some sort, unleash his knees. He has beautiful knees. Uh, and another path to victory for him as well is his leg kicks. If he's able to beat up Stephen Thompson's leg, uh, you know, far leg, or it's going to end up being both legs because he changes stance so much. But I think the amount of damage that Luke, um, you know, exerts in those leg kicks could play, um, could play some issues with uh, the way that Vicente Luque uh, is able to finish this fight. <clears throat> so I've seen Stephen Thompson take, you know, vast amounts of leg kicks in the past. Uh, Anthony Perez did a good job of that, and it seemed to work in a sense of. You know, Stephen Thompson wasn't able to get out of that uh, finishing punch that Anthony Pettis landed on him. Uh, Jorge Masvidal was laid on the leg as well, too. Darren Till did a good job of that. Uh, so I think if Vicente Luque lays on that, he should be able to land um, and probably do well against Stephen Thompson. But I'm just not super confident in that. I'm also not too confident in uh, playing Stephen Thompson either just due to his chin. Like if Vicente Luque actually you know, puts him up in the corner and actually unloads some of these shots, he could land on Thompson and put him out. But with the way that I've seen Stephen Thompson, you know, play with guys with his footwork and how it could potentially cause issues for Vicente Luque, I'm not 
overly happy to play Vicente Luque either. So in total, this fight's a pass for me. What I think is actually going to happen is probably Stephen Thompson outpoints Vicente Luque here. Maybe we get a fight similar to Jorge Masvidal where he just outpoints him on the feet and then makes him kind of look stupid on some of these counters that he's able to do. I'm taking Stephen Thompson to win by decision, but I'm not betting him because I just don't trust the, the state of his chin. All right, co-main event. I am super excited for this one. Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Till. If you guys haven't already checked it out, make sure you guys go on the YouTube channel. And I have Darren Till versus Kelvin Gastelum locked in. It's pretty much a show where I go balls deep into that fight. So if you guys aren't sold on my five to six-ish minute pitch on why I think Kelvin Gastelum is going to knock this guy out in the first round, you can go check out a however long fucking episode I just dropped. Uh, and there's plenty of tidbits in there as to why I believe Kelvin Gastelum will get the finish here. So... Let's just jump into it a little bit, give you guys a little bit of the cliff notes. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum, heavy puncher, does a great job closing distance, uh, and his hand speed and power is pretty much the 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 bow. It's it's why he is as good as he is. Um, and you know when he can get away uh, from doing just that and away from the the wrestling that which is probably his advantage in most of his fights. Arizona State champion, you know he maybe didn't go on uh, further than most of the, some of these guys that go into NCAA and all that. But he still has enough uh, um, background in that. And, uh, you know, he's shown it in the past where he's a good scrambler, like fights against like Tim Kennedy, where he was kind of started out grappling Tim Kennedy once the fight started to wear on a bit. Uh, but just his, his power, you know, he dropped uh, Israel Adesanya. Uh, when he switches and diversifies things a little bit more with head kicks, uh, he's able to make it a little bit more troublesome. He lulled Israel Adesanya to thinking that he's just going to be throwing a lead hook and a right hand. But when he follows those things up with a head kick, he, it pays dividends. So I think he's going to have a little bit easier of a chance, uh, you know, landing on Darren Till than he did with Israel Adesanya. Darren Till still has that tall man defense where he kind of just relies on just moving backwards with his upper torso and pulling on shots. Uh, I think Kelvin Gaslam knows that his path to success here is stepping in on whenever Darren Till does that, kind of like an Anderson Silva type of thing, and really wing on that shot and land on the tin of uh, and land on the on the chin of Darren Till. Darren Till does a lot of good uh, a lot of good things, but he also does a lot of bad things in striking defense. And to come back against a guy with such heavy pa- punching power like Kelvin Gaslam, uh, I think that uh, it's going to be very bad. Let's just put it that way. It might be his debut at 185, but I don't think it's going to matter here because I think that when he when he when he faints a lot, he and he drops his hand. Obviously, he wants to make his opponent pull, but that leaves openings for him as well. Even in the uh, Tyron Woodley fight, where he kind of showed off his feint, where he fainted with his right hand and dropped his left hand, then eventually did the same thing afterwards, where he came with the lead up and got dropped his left hand, that left the opening for Tyron Woodley, and that's how Tyron Woodley knocked him out. And then he eventually went on to darse him, darse him out of all fucking things. Uh, but I, I think that Calvin Gaslam has the fight IQ and ha- can pick up on the tendencies of Darren Till, close the distance properly, and then land on Darren Till. Uh, and also, Darren Till has shown uh, confusion when it comes to some southpaws as well. So uh, Calvin Gaslam being a southpaw, I don't know how much he's going to fuck around and try to confuse Darren Till with the stand switching, just as much as Stephen Wonderboy did, which was ridiculous. But I think Calvin Gaslam, just being a southpaw alone, is going to kind of fuck with Darren Till's sense of reach. Uh, and st- sense of distance, and he's going to put Darren Till out. So, I got Calvin Gaston first round knockout. I'm probably going to play him inside the distance as well. Uh, we got Gaston inside the distance plus 135. So, that might be my play in 1.5 units to 2 units ish. Uh, I really think that's uh, perfect money. Uh, and I don't think that Calvin Gaston is worth a shot up like straight uh, because I think that his. Uh, 
Uh, I think if it goes to 15 minutes, Darren Till is going to outpoint him. Uh, but I think that Kelvin Gaslam is actually going to be the one that gets a knockout in the first round, so it's not going to matter. Gaslam inside the distance is the pick, and I'm going to say first-round knockout. All right, main event time, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Super excited for this fight, strictly due to the fact that the two guys are very good guys. Obviously, it doesn't really mean anything in terms of, like, it means more for Masvidal in terms of rankings than it does for Diaz, in my opinion, because that would be uh, Darren Till, Ben Askren, and now Nate Diaz, who, again, doesn't really fight often enough, so his rankings don't really matter. Um, but to get those three names under your belt, I think that warrants somewhat of a title shot moving forward. Uh, the styles are interesting. Nate Diaz loves to march down his opponents and try to implement his boxing. He doesn't go for takedowns as often as I believe he should, especially with how good he is with his jiu-jitsu. Um, it's going to come down to if Jorge Masvidal is, uh, doesn't break. I don't think he'll break, but Nate Diaz has a ridiculous pace. And I think if it gets into deep waters, Nate Diaz could provide some problems for Jorge Masvidal. I don't know if this fight will finish. I think that Nate Diaz is super tough, so it might be hard for Mar Mar Jorge Masvidal to either tap him out, which is where I think Diaz has the advantage anyway. Uh, and I don't think that he'll be able to knock him out either. Uh, and people might take a little bit too much from Darren Till's uh, you know, demolishment and Ben Askren's demolishment, but I don't 100% believe that Jorge Masvidal has ridiculous knockout power to the extent that he could knock out a guy like Nate Diaz. I, I wanted to possibly pay, play Nate Diaz. He's around the minus or plus 150-ish range, so he's obviously the dog, but Jorge Masvidal presents a great overall MMA game, and let's try to take the glitz and glamour away from this fight. These guys aren't like world-beater fighters. Like They're great fighters, don't get me wrong. But there's a reason they had to make up a belt for them to get gold <laughs> rather than an actual welterweight belt or a lightweight belt to a division that both of them have fought in before. So I think Masvidal is just a better overall fighter and he's going to be able to keep it in a realm for himself that he won't get finished. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm very, very confident in him, to be honest. I'm, I'm surprised at how confident I am. Uh, just overall, he's a better fighter. I think he'll land on Nate Diaz more. Uh, Nate Diaz could definitely push the pressure and 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 like really make Masvidal, um, you know, second guess his his entries and and when he strikes. But I think that Masvidal is just the better overall fighter. Shows a better kicking game as well. He did a lot of damage on Wonderboy Thompson. Did a decent amount of damage on Darren Till as well. But I think if he implements that, and being an ATT too, I think they're smart enough to know that if you beat up the wheels of Nate Diaz, it slows him down and allows you to get your strikes off more. And I think that he will be smart in coming into this. You know, he'll want to make it a show, so they'll try to keep it as a stand-up affair. But I think that he'll still be smart enough to implement the leg kicks uh, and, uh, you know, immobilize Nate Diaz. And then, I don't know, again, I just don't know if he'll take him out. I think I think he could finish him late, but I'm going to say by decision. Uh, but I like Masvidal. I like the range that he's currently around, minus 160-ish. I'll see if he gets down to minus 150, just due to possible Nate Diaz money coming in. Uh, and I'm taking Masvidal to win by decision. That's the lockcast for you guys. Appreciate you guys checking it out. Big week for me. Locked in just dropped, so make sure you guys go check that out. That's Gaslam versus Till. That's free for everybody on YouTube. But I got a, a diehard group now, if you want to call it, if you guys really want to support your boy. Patreon page coming out. Uh, reasonable price for the amount of uh, content I'll be providing. Uh, and then, you know, as things get a little bit easier... Uh, I'll try to pr pump out even more content specifically for Patreon members. But if you are just viewing my stuff for free, I appreciate you guys as well. Your views means just as much to me. So I appreciate that. Um, 
all that content's going to remain free. Deciding splits will remain free. Combatasaur is always going to be on YouTube. Uh, and then obviously Lockcast and Locked In every week. Uh, but Patreon exclusive members get another Locked In episode to every UFC pay-per-view event. All right. It's been a long fucking week. I'm happy to get all my shit out and, and see how it's received. I appreciate you guys checking it all out. Twitter at MMALOTN. Website MMALOTN.ca. And Patreon. Patreon.com slash MMALOTN. See you guys next week.